you, Sarah and team. Thank you all for being part of the choir this morning. It's wonderful to hear you and uh, hear you online. We know you're out there, and we sense your presence here with us, that God would unify us by his spirit. I can't think of a more fitting uh, song for us to lean into than one that affirms our core beliefs. And so we're going to be remarking those today as we spend time in the Word. And we'll be also celebrating communion together. And so if you are online, and, and uh, surprise, it's the first day of the, the month, uh, you still have time right now to get the elements together. We would love to have you participate with us online in communion. So get your bread, uh, any red beverage you have around, or, or whatever you uh, feel called to use. And then we'll celebrate communion together in response to the message. Um, Again, this idea that there is uh, the core beliefs are so important as we talk about today the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I was recognizing that there are, um, there are some core needs or core desires that are embedded into our heart. And so I have a little trouble. So, Scott, if you could follow along with me on that, go to the first slide, please, and I'll guide you along there. Thank you. There are some, some core needs when we think of God that are just baked into all of our hearts. It really is part of who we are. And there's, there's this core ache in our heart to know, first of all, that there's a God who is out there, one who might even transcend our reality, a creator, an orchestrator of all things, one who is in control when everything else in the world feels out of control. There's an ache in our heart to have a God who is above us and who is in control. And that's just, again, baked into our heart. We need that. But there's another need when we think of God. And, and we need to know that there is a God who is there who cares for us. That it's not just a force out there that is maybe orchestrating and creating, but that God himself would even be willing to come down into our darkness and help redeem and fix things and care and actually love us. We have a need for that. We have a need to know there is a God who is for us who's even willing to come and be with us and to get in the mud with us and help bring healing and redemption. Oh, but there's another ache that we have. And again, this is just in all of our hearts. We have an ache to make sense of the chaos in our minds, in that spiritual place that feels so private, but at the same time feels so vast. It's that whisperings that we get constantly that are talking to us, like, is that my voice or someone else's? And then what about those sensitivities we have to, to spiritual things or that longing for meaning or value or to know that we matter and we need it satisfied in our heart? We need to have a God who is with us to make sense again of that, that maybe chaos that's always in our hearts and minds. These are just core needs that are baked into the, into the heart of every, every human. And here's what's amazing about it, is they're only and exclusively and absolutely satisfied when we think of the Trinity. Because it's there that we have not three separate gods that are trying to compete for power in these realms and rages, but we get one God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God over all. Creator, orchestrator, one who's good and he's above all things. And when things here get messy, we know that he's in control. We have that in God the Father. But we also have a God who's willing to get in the mud with us, who is with us. That's the Emmanuel, Jesus. He is God with us. And then the Holy Spirit comes and brings order to that chaos of our hearts and minds to give us assurance of meaning, to make sense of that. And that's that spiritual sensibility we have. God even with us, if we can say that, God with us 
only and absolutely satisfied there in the gift of God as our Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons in one. But our focus in this series is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being the blazing center of our understanding of who God is. And in fact, it's important to start there because it's, it's the Holy Spirit as that blazing center that starts to make sense of everything else around us. When we gather around the blazing center of the Holy Spirit, it starts to ignite something in our hearts where these ideas of God just get so exciting, they just want to spill out of our hearts and minds. And so we've been gathering around uh, the value of the Holy Spirit and looking at various aspects of our relationship with God in spirit. So this series has gone over a few topics already. If you're joining us this morning, great. It's okay. It's a good time to merge on. Uh, we've looked at a couple of different topics. We began with the idea that it's, there's a necessity of conscious dependence. This is an affirmation of our denomination, but it's really an affirmation of faith that we need to know that we need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit Every day, especially again, as we have given our lives to Christ, we're trying to work out our walk. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God presented to us to help us. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to give you a helper. In fact, he even said it's better for you if I leave because you will get the gift of the advocate, the helper, the counselor, and he's going to help you. And so we need to know that we need to be aware of him. We talked about that week one. You can hear that teaching online. Last week, we talked about listening. Oh, that we could actually hear and listen from the Holy Spirit. And I give you three options on that that are in partnership, not exclusive of each other. Spirit speaks, first of all, by the gift of his word. The Holy Spirit hovering over every page and revealing it to us. We're going to talk more about that this morning. Holy Spirit speaks to us by his word. He does speak to us by spirit. And he speaks through us in the company of the church as we fellowship together and, and encourage one another and correct each other in our walk. Again, that teaches online. You're here this morning and I'm here this morning because I want to talk about learning from the Holy Spirit. And this is, again, something I'm always in process of. Please don't ever think that these messages are coming from, you know, above and I've got it all figured out. I'm still learning a lot and I have vast things to learn from the Holy Spirit. But he is a teacher. Holy Spirit is teaching us. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what are the aspects of learning from the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you a preview the Holy Spirit wants to teach us the Word of God. He wants to teach us the Word. He wants it to, to be a tool that God uses to instruct our hearts and, and make sense of uh, our, our history, our timeline. Holy Spirit also wants to, to teach us to speak, teach us to speak on behalf of God. And then also the Holy Spirit wants us to teach us how to live in unity, how to live in unity. And we're going to talk about that as well. Of course, we're going to center ourselves around God's Word, and I have a text for you this morning as we spend time in God's Word. It's going to be Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 44. It's, it's one slice out of a larger story that may be familiar to some of you. It's the Pentecost day, uh, but I'm just cutting one section out of that because um, it, it, we're going to dig into this and see how this applies out to what we've been discussing already, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit learning from Him and Him teaching us. So this is a slice out of the book of Acts, and I'm going to set it up for you real quick, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to dig into God's Word this morning together. This is the day of Pentecost, which maybe some of us are aware was the day that, that God uh, downloaded the Holy Spirit over the disciples, and it was an extraordinary day. It was early in the morning, and they received what appeared to be tongues of fire that, that lit them in a way that they were changed dramatically. They were now able to speak the gospel 
in various languages, languages they didn't know a moment before. And, oh, if there's one moment in Scripture I'd love to be in, it's probably that one. I don't know if they got to pick what language they, they were speaking. I don't, I don't think they did, but if they did, I'd love to. I mean, I'd love to complete my Spanish. I can fake it. I can order good food, but I don't have it complete. I'd love to get that. Or Mandarin, maybe, or French would be cool to, you know, be able to converse. I don't know, but I know that they were given the gift of language, but the point wasn't, oh, that the, they were able to speak different languages. The point of what they were saying in those languages, they were talking about Jesus. They were talking about the good news, and they were able to communicate it in a way that the diversity of people that had gathered around because they'd heard the ruckus, they were able to hear the gospel in their native tongue. It was fascinating. So this crowd starts to gather around the disciples who are just speaking and cannot stop speaking. I mean, again, if you had this gift downloaded to you, you know, kind of that babble fish release, right? You probably wouldn't be able to stop talking. Be like, yeah, I'm going to keep trying. This is great, you know? And so they're talking and talking about Jesus. They're talking about the gospel and how he was raised from the dead and the glory of God the Father and praising him. And this crowd starts to gather and make fun of them because they're like, all right, how much have they been drinking, you know? And there's probably even more mock from there. And so as we get into this reading in, in verse 22, we have this moment where this crowd is gathering and they're like, what is going on here? And the disciples are probably also like, what is going on here? But they're so excited. Again, the Holy Spirit is now just lit upon them. And it, it's the pilot light of the Spirit. It's blazing out. And so now you've got this crowd gathering and it's like this mix of stuff. And then Peter steps out of the crowd and begins to address them. And that's our reading today. So let me pray as we encounter God's word. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of your presence here today. Felt, Father, first of all, through the love as, as uh, friends gather and even uh, new friends gather here. And there's a sense of connection and hope and longing. That is a gift from you. That's evidence of your presence. Then, Lord, you put that beautiful music into the air and, and, and hopefully it came out of our, our hearts and our our mouths, Father, that is also a gift from you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. And as you have been so protective of your word, preserving it for all of these centuries, that the words that we read today are literally the words that were spoken centuries ago, Father. There's integrity in the word, and that too is a gift. And we thank you, and we ask you, God, as we talk about the Holy Spirit today, to let your words ring true. Let your words come out. You could use whatever uh, words of mine you'd like to, but Holy Spirit, just speak to us, we pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 42. I'm going to do this a little different. Instead of just reading through it and then, you know, uh, talking about it, I want to kind of talk through it uh, together because I want us to be able to understand what's, what's happening here. So Peter, again, stands out before the, the crowd that's gathered going, what is, what's the deal with these guys? Peter stands up in front of them. This is Peter. And he says, people of Israel, will you listen? God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what was going to happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. And with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him, Jesus, to the cross, and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. It, it did exactly what probably just happened now. It took the air out of the seed. What? 
See, it's interesting because Peter doesn't get up and he doesn't start addressing the language part. Like, oh, the, the, the fact that we're speaking in a new language. Let me tell you about that. No. He starts opening up to the reality that there is a God who is even over and above this moment. I love that he centers on that. First he says, look, there's the actions of the day. And they're huge. But look above. God has a plan. There is a God who is up there. And he is in control. Even of this moment, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And even the things that you thought you were in control of, arresting Jesus and taking him to trial and putting him on the cross, that was all part of God's plan. There is a God above us who is good and he is in control. And it just takes the air out of the moment. Then Peter does something really unexpected. As the reading goes on, he now starts opening up the Old Testament and going to King David, who would have been a, a very familiar figure. They would have read him. They would have understand. They would have known the words of King David. And he begins to reinterpret King David's words rightly, showing how it points towards Jesus. Look at this. Peter continues. Long ago, he said, King David said this about him, about Jesus. I see that the Lord is always with me, and I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Ah, no wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts of praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. For you have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Perhaps famous words spoken of there, King David, many centuries ago, but his longing, you hear the longing that, uh, that King David has as he praises the Lord, he says, but you have shown me the way of life and you are going to fill me with the joy of your presence. There's anticipation there of a God who is also for him and a God who will be with him. And Peter's bringing these words out from the Old Testament and showing their true meaning, which is amazing. What an amazing gift. Peter continues. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, you want to think about this. Think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David was not referring to himself because he died and he's buried. In fact, his tomb is over here among us. But what David was was a prophet. And he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on the throne. See, David was looking forward to the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. This is amazing insight that he's going back in the Old Testament story and showing how even David was a prophet speaking the plan of God and pointing towards the ministry of Jesus. He goes on to say, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witnesses of this. We all have seen it. And now Jesus is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. He's at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and you hear today. So Jesus is, is died, but he, and he's raised from the dead, and he has now ascended to the right hand of God the Father, with God. And from there, he released the Holy Spirit, and he says, you have seen evidence of the Holy Spirit here, and you're hearing evidence of the Holy Spirit today out of their mouths goes back into the old story and says, For David himself never ascended to heaven, and yet he did say, My Lord said to my, The Lord said to my Lord, 
sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Peter jumps back out of the story and says this, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, by the way, to be both Lord and Messiah. In other words, God is with us. God stepped down into the darkness in Jesus, and you guys completely missed it. In fact, you put him on the cross. And now he's there at the right hand of God, that intimacy, that presence, that unity with God. Now what are you going to do? This is arguably one of the most successful sermons ever preached because his words resonated so deeply in their hearts. It says, as the story continues, Peter's words pierced right through their heart. As Peter opened up the Old Testament story and showed them how all of that pointed towards Jesus, it, did, it pierced all the way deep into their heart. Have you ever had that encounter where something happens, you're just like so alarmed, you're like, oh, I feel that so deeply. What do I do? And that's exactly what they said. They said to him and the other, other apostles, brothers, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I love Peter's confidence here. He says, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's an invitation. And then you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same thing you see at work in our lives right now. The same light you see in our eyes. The same power you hear from our words. You will receive that gift. Also, he says, this promise is for you and for your children. Ah, and even those who are far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. He left them there probably marinating in this for a while. Peter continued to preach for a long time, strongly urging the, the, the listeners, come on, save yourselves out of this crooked generation. Again, arguably one of the most successful sermons of all time. Because people heard it and they responded. And the word tells us that those who believed what Peter said, they were baptized and they were added to the church that day. 3,000 people, many of whom probably didn't even know each other until that moment going through this profound spiritual experience together, and it stayed with them. The word continues and says, In the wake of that day, all the believers devoted themselves together to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, which is a, a fancy uh, Christian way of saying friendship that's deep, and to sharing meals, including recognition of the Lord's Supper, and to praying together. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's an amazing story. And it all started with the pilot light of the Holy Spirit, tongue of fire resting upon the disciples, but it lit ablaze quickly and spread out into the streets and was pouring open and the church was being multiplied quickly. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and becomes the blazing center. Even that pilot light experience can suddenly burst forward and you can see profound change and growth in the church. So 
So this morning, we want to talk about this story and kind of look at it from a sense of what was the Holy Spirit doing? How did Peter have that ability? The Holy Spirit was teaching him. He was learning from him. That began, but it was anointed in that moment. And when we talk about learning from the Holy Spirit, it, it begins in our, in our hearts and our minds by teaching us the word. I'm so impressed with how Peter was able to open up the Old Testament and so clearly and, and in, in an amazingly way, in an amazing way, show how all those words that were spoken so long ago pointed towards the ministry of Jesus. And it was true. They knew it. There's an authority there that he was given. The Holy Spirit was revealing to him the word. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit begins. He wants to teach us the word. He wants to open our minds to the bigger reality of the word of God and how we fit into his still unfolding story. Now, I'll give you, with, with 66 authors covering 2,500 years or so and various genres, this is a hard book to read if you ever tried to do it just on your own. It's, it's really tough. You might get into Genesis and you go a few chapters deep and you're like, that's pretty good. Then you get into some hard stuff and some people back off. Or Gospel of John, you might get through it for a while and then suddenly get to some parts. You're like, I just don't know what to do with all this. It can be really challenging to read the Word. But what we do know is the Word is the sword of the Spirit, a very sharp instrument that the Holy Spirit uses. And when you think of a sharp instrument, the sword of the Word, the sword of the Spirit is the Word. First of all, it will do surgery on you. The Word is a surgical instrument. It will cut you deep. And it will begin to be the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to do surgery on your heart, to conform you more into the image of Christ, to cut away the parts that you don't need, and to amplify and strengthen the parts of you that, that are needed strengthening. That's the sword of the Word. It will also begin to show you by the Spirit how, again, we fit into the bigger story, and then it becomes an offensive weapon to protect us and to keep evil at, at bay and to keep us in right decision-making. The Spirit wants to teach you. He wants to teach you by His Word the boundaries, again, of God's love and, and the right way to live in grace. Now, for some of you who, who know me pretty well, you know that I had a profound uh, conversion a little bit later in life. I was, you know, in, in my late 20s. Uh, actually, was, I was turning 30 that day, and I gave my life to Christ. It was very profound. And I remember, you know, someone gave me a Bible on that day, and, like, it was so sweet, wrote a nice thing in it. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to keep that Bible really special, like, because it was just a real special Bible given to me on, on the day I came to faith, you know. But I, I, I went to church that first Sunday. It was a Friday night. I went to church that Sunday, and I, I was probably carrying the Bible like this, like a pizza. just wanted to protect it and keep it so nice, you know. But I was so proud of it. And I remember meeting people at the church, and they were celebrating with me, you know, that I had made this decision to, to give my life to Christ. And then I met some, some guy, and he was like, oh, dude, you got to read that. you got to read your Bible. you got to read it every day. You've got to spend time in the Word. You need it. Why do I, why do I need that? And then over the course of time, I kept meeting more and more people. They're like, dude, you got to read your Bible. you got to read the Word. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I started reading it. And there's been times it's been tough. But as I've grown more and more, the Holy Spirit keeps showing me more and more relevance to my life. It's, it's done a profound work in, in my life. And it continues to this day. There's just an endless amount of mystery and wonder and power in the Word of God. Not long ago, I had another friend, though. She had also come out of a tough 
experience and had given her life to Christ, and we were celebrating with her and so excited and presented her as I normally do with, with friends that come to faith. You know, nice Bible. It's a good tradition. I still have uh, some new believers' Bibles to give out and handed it to her and, and said the same thing. You know, we've got to read your Bible. We've got to get in the Word. You've got to submit yourself to the Word of God and let it begin to work on you. And she would say, I remember saying it for the first time, like, I don't really know how to read the Bible. I just, I don't really get it. Okay, well, that's okay. Hey, it's, it, it's kind of complicated. We'll help you. And so we had Bible studies, and we had groups, and we had even a, a, like a Bible orientation group that would run, like a six-week, here's what the Bible is and how to read the Bible, and here's what it's about. Um, and she would kind of joke often in that first season, like, I don't really know how to read the Bible. I don't really get it. And that continued, and it was, it was kind of cute in the first year or so, but then after a while, it just didn't feel as cute to me. Because she would say it all the time, like, I don't really get the Bible. I don't really know how, how it works. I don't really understand it. And I found that she was starting to make decisions that were just like back in cycle, you know, and decision making was kind of off. And then eventually uh, my friend fell into to some bitterness and, and walked away. Uh, I pray right now that, that her heart would be good. I don't, I don't know where she is. Spirit wants to teach you the word of God. He wants to use it in your life to do surgery on you to conform you more to God's image, to the image of Christ in you, to keep you, protect you, guide you. God wants to teach us his word. And now when we, when we submit ourselves, and that's really what it's like, we submit ourselves to God's word and the Holy Spirit. Guess what we get? As we spend time in his word, we start to see more clearly there is a God who is above all things and is in total control. No matter what the chaos is around us, no matter what age or era we get privileged to grow up in, when we begin to commit ourselves to learning from the Holy Spirit, God's Word, we are more convinced, more assured that above us there is a God who is good and He is in control. The Holy Spirit also wants to teach us to speak for God. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us to speak for God. As we continue to learn and grow and mature in our faith, guided by the Spirit and His Word, He wants to use us to speak for God. And we see that so clearly in Peter who, who jumped out of the, the crowd and, and was able to talk to them with commanding authority, an authority that he previously didn't have. But this was the result of the outpouring of the Spirit over him that lit him with a confidence and allowed him to be able to speak with authority and wisdom pointing people towards Christ. And the Holy Spirit is still longing for us to do that today. As it says in Acts 2, when the Spirit pours out, He pours out among all people. And it says, your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. The young people will see visions. Even old people will dream new dreams. Whether you are a free or a slave, they will prophesy. In other words, they will speak of the wonders of God in a way that helps others make that connection to Christ. Oh, but how easily are we, are we muted? How easily are we convinced that, I don't know what to say, so maybe I won't say anything. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit pouring out. Jesus was so excited about this. He talked about it all the time. It really was one of his big, big priorities. Of, of downloading the Holy Spirit, he said it would be like living water pouring in you and then out from you would pour rivers 
of living water. Out from you would pour rivers of living water. In other words, you would bring nutrient and refreshment and life wherever you go. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. So, but how often do we feel muted? We try to cut that cap down low, but he wants to fill you. And the more you pour out, the more he will fill you and the more you can pour out. One of the most fascinating people that I've met recently about this was on a plane. And this was back in February. I took a, an, uh, went to Alaska Christian College to do some ministry. And it all started when I got on the plane um, at O'Hare. And it was the first leg of our, our journey. And I met this, this young woman, uh, Kalisha Anderson. She was really, really sweet. And just when she got on, and, you know, you see people walking down the aisle, you could just see her eyes were just, uh, uh, you know, 10 inches wide. They were just huge and lit, right? And so uh, she happened to come and sit uh, next to me in my aisle. Um, she actually sat one space between me. Um, and this was back, of course, when, you know, we could sit next to people, right? So uh, this, you know, woman comes in, excuse me, and she sits down at the window seat. And we were just, you know, talking a little bit because she, she was just so bright, right? And then I felt bad because another young woman came and sat, sat between us. Um, and, and not too long, Kalisha and I both realized we were both uh, believers. We were both Christian, right? And so she was lit. I mean, she was hot wired for Jesus, right? And so we started a conversation over the friend in the middle who was actually part of the conversation. Um, and she kind of said, well, I've been to church a couple times. I don't really know a whole lot, but she sure heard a lot. But it was a very good, loving uh, experience. I mean, she wasn't offended or mad at all. In fact, I think she, she left really encouraged. But when I heard uh, Kalish's story, is amazing because all the story that she told me in the couple of hours flight, I figured she was old, much older than she was. She wasn't even yet 21. But she was raised in a very hard, hard neighborhood, a lot of crime, a lot of violence, um, and in fact was arrested for a violent crime uh, when she was about 18 and she got sent to jail for it. And it was when she was in jail that she, through a prison ministry, found the Lord. And she said it just changed fundamentally everything about her. She had been from a lot of broken relationships and a lot of violence. And suddenly she was so uh, in love with Jesus and it was just pouring out of her. She couldn't stop talking about it. And as I got to know her a little bit more, she still has a ministry today. She is, like many young people, spends you know, a fair amount of time on social media. Uh, she uses the tool called TikTok, which is an app that you know, maybe your kids know. I'm not on it. I don't recommend it. It's mostly funny dance videos, I think, and some other gross stuff. But she uses TikTok as a tool uh, to reach other people for Christ. And she has thousands, thousands of people that she ministers to. She's constantly pouring out prayer and encouragement in Christ. Let me give you a little example. This is one of our recent videos.
So again, that may not be your style. You may want to parse her words out. But I'll tell you what, you can't stop her. She does this all day. And she ministers to many, even as she does her work as a traveling nurse and goes around the country. The point is, the Holy Spirit just pours out of her. It's in and it just flows out constantly. And when we allow that to happen, when we open ourselves more to the gift of the Spirit and allow those rivers of living water to pour out of us, here's what happens. We begin to see more clearly that there is a God who is for us, and that is Jesus. We begin to see more of him. We get more confident in our walk because the gift of salvation has always been intended for us to share. The good news has been something always meant to be declared. And so the more that we participate with the Spirit in giving us that gift to pour out to others, the more real it becomes and we understand more deeply that there is a God who is for us. The Holy Spirit also teaches us to live in unity. Holy Spirit also teaches us to live in unity. You saw that in the Pentecost moment. When they were cut to the heart and they went from conviction to salvation. And then something changed where they started to gather around each other. And it says suddenly this diverse group of people that didn't know each other became committed together to learning more from the apostles teaching to friendship, fellowship, breaking bread and praying together. What a beautiful expression. And this continues to happen, which is why we're gathered in community right now in church. And it's echoed in Ephesians chapter 4 when it tells us this. Therefore, Paul says, as a prisoner in the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I'll say it again, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Because there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one father of all who is above all, through all, and in all. See, what we see when we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us what it is to live in that spirit of unity is we become more aware, more confident that there is a God who is with us. Because Christian spirituality is never meant to live alone. It's always meant to be nurtured in community. That's what brings order to that chaos that sometimes exists between our heart and mind. The Holy Spirit comes in and binds us to other believers, and there's peace, and we become more confident there is a God who is with us. So as we similarly devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and praying, let me ask you this. Have you opened yourself to learn from the Holy Spirit? Have you opened yourself to having the Spirit teach you the Word of God so that you can rightly handle it, so that He can begin to do surgery in your heart and show you the wonders of His love? Have you opened yourself to the ministry of the Spirit who wants to teach you how to speak out graciously to the people around you in a way that encourages them to find and seek Christ? Or are you holding back? 
Have you submitted yourself to the Spirit to say, teach me how to live in unity, how to live in care with one another? It's never too late. And I can't think of a better place to refresh our hearts than here at the table. I'm going to have Sarah come up and lead us in a reflective moment of worship. And the kids are going to come up from downstairs. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. But let me do this before she does. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the gift of your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Would you become the blazing center of our lives? Would you open us more widely and deeper to be filled with that living water that turns into a fire that overflows? Give order to our minds. Give direction to our hearts. Let us speak for you and represent you wherever we go. Empower us, we pray. Holy Spirit, come. Be the blazing center of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.